You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We're not talking about Valentine's Day. In fact, we're in our fourth week of our Jesus and series, A Journey Through Galatians. And I want to title this message this morning called The Case of Mistaken Identity. The Case of Mistaken Identity. I wonder if you ever had a time in your life where you've been mistaken for somebody else, somebody that you weren't. Now, as a lot of you would know, my name's Lee, and in Ireland, Lee isn't, let's say, a popular name. There's not a lot of Lees running around, but when I moved to England, suddenly Lee was a popular name, and there's loads of Lees. And in fact, you know, growing up, I would have thought my mum would have named me something heroic, you know, like where my name meant man full of faith, or defender of people, or, you know, fantastic great child, something along those lines. In fact, Lee means... Meadow. I know. Meadow. So that was my inheritance growing up. And growing up, I figured that no one would, you know, get me confused with anybody else because I was the only Lee running about. There was one other Lee in our school, but there was loads of Matthews. In fact, there was three in my class alone. There was a lot of Shannons and there was a lot of Ryans. And growing up through church in my later teens, I would always get confused with the two Ryans. It was a case of Lee and the two Ryans. And there was this, let's say, a much older lady than me in church who we called Wee Anne. Wee in Irish pretty much means small. And she was four foot tall, but she was ferocious. My gosh, you did not mess with Wee Anne. And she would always get me and the two Ryans mixed up. Which, let me tell you, church, was amazing when one of the Ryans done something brilliant on stage. Wee Anne would come running over to me, telling me how great I did on stage. I was like, thank you very much. I know it was amazing, wasn't it? Thank you. But whenever one of the Ryans got up up to mischief on the Friday night at youth, Wee Anne, who was the oracle of all knowledge, she literally knew everything. She was close to Jesus, you know, just knew it all. She would find out, come the Sunday, would come running up to me and would tell me off for something that I never did. God is confused all of the time. The two Ryans and the Lee. It worked out great when it worked for me, but when it worked against me, it wasn't good. In fact, I would get birthday cards sent to me that weren't for me, that were for the Ryans, and they would get the same, constantly confused and mixed up. And then thinking when I'd moved to England, I thought it would all change, that nobody would ever get me mixed up with anybody or anything else for that matter. But in fact, as I've come to England, many people have told me to my face, they've said, oh, I know you're from Scotland. I know you're from Canada. Oh, I know you sound Australian. You're from Australia. I'm from Ireland. (laughs) Getting me mixed up. And I reckon, church, you've been in the same boat. I reckon you've got those phone calls looking for a Mr. or Mrs. Smith who you're not, but they proceed to tell you on the other end of the phone line how you should totally buy their product. Got you confused. Maybe you've been called the wrong name. 
Or perhaps you've been walking down the street and you've seen that crazy person in the distance waving in your direction. You turn around, nobody behind you, nobody to your left, nobody to your right, and you realize they're waving at you, but you don't have a clue who they are. And as you give them that look as if to say, I don't have a clue who you are. You watch the color drain from their face as they realize you're not who they thought you were. A total case of mistaken identity. And this is what's going on in Galatians 3 and 4. We're going to read from the Bible just now. A case of mistaken identity. The Bible says this in Galatians 3, starting at verse 26. Paul's writing, For you are all sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have now put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is an encouraging verse, and I'll tell you why in a minute. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Fast forward to chapter four, verse one. Paul writes, what I am saying is that as long as, you are an, as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. What does that mean? We'll get there. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, that's you and I, who were under the law, that, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you, audacious church chester, are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Let me tell you this, church. Verse 26 uses this word sons. And it's not, Paul isn't writing just to the male population here. But the Bible uses the word sons as a general term for all of us. In fact, the modern language and modern translations use the word children. Because Paul right here, right now, is talking about children incorporating us all into sonship. Which, if you're a female, sounds like a totally abstract term because you're not a son, you're a daughter. But what Paul is writing to all of us is to include ourselves when we read this verse. He goes on to say in chapter 3, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, why is that important? Great question. It's important because Paul is writing to the Galatians who are against the backdrop, the cultural backdrop of the Roman Empire. And the law of the day said that if you, only if you were a male son, could you inherit property? Could you acquire fortune? The law was called the Falsidia Lex. In other words, if you were a female or if you were a slave, you had no entitlement to property or to inheritance. In other words, Paul is writing here in chapter 3, whoever you are, whatever gender, 
background, whether you're a slave or free, you too have the rights of sonship. What God promised Abraham isn't just for the firstborn males, but it's for you too, because you're his heirs. Can you imagine how revolutionary this was for a female or for a slave to hear these words? No longer are you second, third, fourth, fifth best getting the scraps off the table. You're an heir in Christ. No longer do you have no ability to acquire or to inherit fortune. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're a son, a daughter of God. And this truly is life-changing news, bearing the fact the cultural backdrop that the Galatians faced. Paul is saying there's neither Jew nor Greek He's breaking off the nationalistic divide. No longer is there a class divide of slave nor free. No longer is there a gender divide of male or female. And I want to remind you today, church, the gospel is about freedom and not oppression. The world seeks to draw lines of division, classification, separation. But what God does, God unites us all under one common banner in Christ Jesus. Before anything else today, before our differences, we are all united as one in Christ Jesus. My identity isn't in the way I feel, it's in Christ. My identity isn't in the status quo of the way things are. It's in Christ. My identity isn't in the way that I grew up. It's in Christ. My identity isn't in the job I do. It's in Christ. My identity isn't in the way I look, whether I look the same as my neighbor or not. It's in Christ. Oh, but Pastor Lee, what about our differences? What about our languages? What about our roles? What about our dress? What about our skin tones? What about our accents? Well, that's easy. Because once our identity is firmly rooted in Christ, now our differences become causes of celebration and not division. Oh, church, there is a cause of celebration today, not division, because we're all united under one banner, united in Christ. Let's celebrate the differences. But in order, church, to make sure that it's not a case of mistaken identity, we have to ensure we put on Christ so that when people look at our lives, they know exactly what we're about, exactly who we are, and that it's obvious that we're in Christ. The Bible puts it like this in Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but the clothing that we wear tells us a lot about who we are, the way we think, the way we carry ourselves. And I want to suggest clothing yourself as an heir in Christ does four things. The first thing that it shows is your identity. Clothing yourself in Christ shows your identity. Do you remember having to wear a school uniform. Hands up who had the misfortune of wearing a school uniform in school. If you didn't, consider yourself blessed because my school uniform was a massive blazer that never quite fit. The sleeves were always hanging over like one of the, is it Dopey from Snow White who's got the sleeves? That was me in school. The big blazer, the really long tie, the shirt button that had to be tucked in and the shirt that had to be tucked into my trousers and the black shoes. 
That was my school uniform. But we actually thought in school, we'd be the kids that would be rebellious. So instead of wearing the school uniform like other people did, you know, we, we thought we were really cool. We flipped up our top collar. We unbuttoned our shirt. We done our tie really, really short. We let our shirt hang loose in the wind. We thought it looked really cool, but we looked ridiculous. Me and my mates were those guys that your parents would tell you to stay away from because they're trouble. Thought it looked cool, but in reality, looked ridiculous. But what I noticed was this about school uniforms. As you can tell, looking at someone in a school uniform, a lot about who they are. In a big city, you can tell that by which school uniform they wear, you can roughly work out whereabouts in the city that they live and they're from. You can work out from that child whether or not they're seeking to do their best and fit in and the uniform looks pristine and polished and all the buttons are up, or you can tell if they're trying to be a little bit of a rebel by the way they're dressed. You can also tell the sporty kids who carry their sports gear to school. You can tell those that are into music by the brass instruments, violin, trombone that they bring to school. The clothing that you wear tells you a lot about who you are. Are. And it's the same today, church. When you clothe yourself with Christ, it says everything about what you think, who you are, how you carry yourself, what you're believing for, the faith you have for the future, for your family, and for your world. Clothing yourself with Christ, Pastor Josh, doesn't mean you're wearing Jesus' robes and his sandals this week coming into work but it means clothing yourself with the nature of Jesus, of God, carrying yourself in a way that befits the calling that you have received. Do people today look at you and I and see a case of mistaken identity or do they know that you are in Christ? Today, church, clothe yourself in Christ. The second thing clothing yourself as an heir in Christ does is it shows your closeness to Christ. The closest thing to your body right now is your clothes. And clothing yourself with Christ shows your closeness to Jesus and represents being one with him. The Bible puts it like this in John 14, 20. Jesus speaking, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. 1 Corinthians carries this thought on and says, Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. When you made a decision for Jesus, remember that moment when you gave your life to God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was given to you as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Do you know what it means to have a, to be guaranteed? It means it's a guarantee. Nothing's gonna move it, shake it, shift it so you can be confident today regardless of the way that you might feel during the week whether you feel good enough that you have been guaranteed salvation because God deposited the Holy Spirit into your heart now the closest thing to our bodies are our clothes but the closest person to your soul is God he dwells inside of you through his Holy Spirit And when I choose to clothe myself with Christ, I am choosing to live out the God purpose, let the Holy Spirit live outside of me, out and through my life. Let him lead me, guide me. When I spend time with Jesus, I become like him. And by default, 
being close to Christ shows that we become the imitation of Christ. Lysandra and I have almost been married, get this, for two years. A couple of weeks' time, we celebrate our second anniversary. This time last year, we were in Edinburgh. This year, we're going to be in Costa del Saltney, in Jesus' name, five minutes outside Chester, where we live, hopefully basking in the sunshine that's to come, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. But what we noticed was, the more you spend time with someone, the more like them you become. Your preferences change, your outlook change, your habits change, what you're into changes. Everything starts to change and they start to become similar the more time you spend with someone. Now, let me be honest, church. Before we met and got married, the toilet seat was always up. But now, church, the toilet seat stays down in Jesus' name. And all the women said, amen. My outlook's changed. Times where my faith would drop and would go low and I get disappointed and disheartened, Lysandre would call me higher and help me think bigger and live larger. My food habits and my likes and dislikes have totally changed from us being married the last two years. I am what we call church, by my own confession, a beige eater. In other words, I like rice, pasta, potatoes, chicken, and that's pretty much about it. But now, church, get this over the last two years, I actually eat vegetables. Broccoli, peppers, mushrooms, onions, I love them. Because what happens is when you're close with someone, you begin to imitate them, and everything in how you think and how you act starts to line up and look different. And whether we like it or not, church, the Christian life is all about gradual change. It's all about taking steps forward to become more and more like God, lining our thoughts up with Jesus, lining our lives up with the purposes that God has for us, lining our thought patterns up with the Bible. Everything starts to line up with Jesus. It's natural for that to happen because you spend time with Jesus. But the second reason that's so important, church, that we imitate Christ is because whether you know it or not, there's a whole world outside of these doors that needs to know the hope, purpose, forgiveness, love, grace, acceptance, hope, eternity that's offered in God and your life imitates and reflects Jesus. William J. Toms puts it like this, be careful how you live for you might be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. Church, Today, you might have the only conversation with someone anybody ever has about Jesus. You might be the only Christian somebody knows. But if we together can put on Christ, be close to him, imitate him, we'll reach the lost and dying world. We'll see our city and our nation one for God because we put on Christ. And the last thing putting on Christ does is this. Shows you are accepted by God, shows you're accepted by God. There's an account in the Bible in Luke 15 about the prodigal son. And the son approaches his father and asks his father while he's still living for his inheritance. Now let me tell you church, that is a kick in the teeth. You acquire an inheritance after somebody passes away. So in other words, the son by his action is saying to his dad, hey dad, I wish you weren't here anymore so I could have your inheritance and I could go do my own thing crazy. But the dad 
so full of grace and love for his son, gives his son his portion of his inheritance. And his son goes off to a, a foreign distant land and squanders it all on wild living to the point where he's got nothing left and he's working in a pigsty. And this thought comes to the son. He thinks to himself, my dad's servants are treated better than this and I'm his son, I'm gonna go home. So the son's coming back and the father sees him off in the distance. And what does the father do? He goes running towards his son. And when he gets there, he embraces him. Total forgiveness, grace, acceptance. But the first thing the father says to the servant is fetch a robe, fetch a robe. What clothing does and clothing yourself with Christ it covers up the nakedness of our shame and our wrongdoing and shows that we are accepted, welcomed, and loved by God. Today, church, when the Bible says you're clothed in Christ, that means you're accepted and loved by God. You're welcomed home as an heir with Christ. It doesn't matter how bad things got, you're forgiven today by God. God has covered up your shame and given you a new garment. God has paid the debt that our sin owed. God has brought you into his family. You're a son and a daughter of God today. You are guaranteed an inheritance with the saints. You are chosen, accepted, loved by God. When you're clothed in Christ, accepted by God, church, it changes everything. And get this about Rome. In Roman times in Galatia, a Roman citizen who had no children could adopt a slave, bring them into their family and give them their inheritance. Everything that they had, everything that the master had was now the slaves who was no longer a slave, but was a son. Romans 8.15 says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. The slave didn't earn it, he never could, but it was freely given to one who is undeserved. And this is how good God is today. In Roman times, you could adopt a male slave into the family and crown him with your inheritance. But this is what God does in the Bible. He brings all of his children, male and female, into his kingdom, and he adopts us all into sonship. In other words, he gives us all his inheritance, all the blessings Jesus bestowed upon us, he gives us access into eternity and it doesn't matter today where you grew up from doesn't matter today if you're slave or free Jew or Greek male or female we are all one in Christ Jesus good news today we're all accepted by God and because we're accepted by God our differences are causes of celebration and not division today church I wonder if we could go from here and we could put on Christ. I reckon our world, our workplace, our family would all change because it wouldn't be a case of mistaken identity. But when somebody looked at our life, they'd see hope. In the midst of the storm, they'd see faith. When they looked at us and thought we had every reason to give up, call it a day, quit, they seen faith and encouragement and optimism because of the hope that lives inside of us. Today, church, if you do one thing this week, clothe yourself with 
Christ and it will change your life and it will change the world. So you can call me whatever you want. You can call me Ryan, you can call me Lee, you can call me Meadow, it doesn't matter because I know who I am in Christ. Today, church, let it not be a case of mistaken identity, but choose to live fearlessly devoted in Christ. Right across this place with every head bowed and eyes closed. Perhaps today you've come to church and you've never made a decision for Jesus before. In a moment, we're gonna create an opportunity for you to connect your life with the God of heaven. Or perhaps today, like the prodigal son, you once went your own way, done your own thing, turned your back on Jesus. But the Bible says, Jesus has never turned his back on you. In fact, he's standing at the door of your heart, knocking and asking to come in and have a relationship with you. You can't have life to the fullest until you know the God that gives you life to the fullest. So today on the count of three, if you're saying, I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna connect my life to the God of heaven, either for the first time or today you're coming back into right relationship with God. You only have to do this once. And the Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing your salvation. On three with your hand up in the air. You're saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. Then on one, you're saying, I don't have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, but today I know I need to connect my life with the God of heaven too. You're saying today, I wanna follow Jesus. My heart's beating. I know this is for me. Then on three, raise your hand up in the air. If you're saying today, I wanna connect my life with God. I wanna come back into right relationship with Him. Looking across the room to your right, my left, saying today, I wanna follow Jesus and connect my life with Him. In the middle, saying I don't have it worked out, but I know I need to get right with God. Lastly, on your left, my right, saying today, Pastor Lee, I wanna follow Jesus. Let's pray, church. God, we pray that this week you would cause us to go forward in momentum, that today each and every one of us would choose to be clothed with Christ. God, we are thankful that you adopted us, you brought us in, you give us your inheritance, you give us blessings, grace, forgiveness, and thank you that you have set eternity on our hearts. God, we prophesy for our city and our nation right now. God, would you draw men and women, boys and girls to yourself. God, we're thankful that you're doing great things behind the scenes. Although we might not see it, God, we trust today that you're working. Where miracles are needed right now, God, we prophesy breakthrough, healing, manna from heaven. You would provide opportunities and jobs where they're needed. We're thankful, God, that you're a miracle working over the top, abundant Ephesians 3.20, God who's doing miracles behind the scenes. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody with faith said, amen. And give it up for God. Why don't we thank him right now? all that he's doing in our life. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 